The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, Leslie Marshall here. Welcome. Good to have you with us, and very good, even better, to have with us Anna Fenley, United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy. She's been with the union for over a decade and has worked doing legislative advocacy and in the union's health, safety, and environment department. She serves as the vice president of North America's for North America for Industrial Global Union. They represent industrial workers all over the world. She also represents the AFL-CIO as the chairperson of the International Trade Union Confederation's Global Youth Committee, and that's where she led the effort to create a global economic platform for young workers. More than a pleasure to have this Friday Anna with us. Anna, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon. It's great to be here, Leslie. And good to have you with us. Um, Let's talk about women of steel and women's activism uh, around the globe. March is Women's History Month. March 8th was International Women's Day. It's a big year for commemorating women's activism with the centennial of women's right to vote. And I know that the USW's Women of Steel, its program, tell us first of all about this program. So Women of Steel is a fantastic program in our union that was started in the 1980s in Canada. It really came from the grassroots from women um, members in primarily male-dominated industrial workplaces. Um, And it started as a way to empower women leaders, to help them build leadership skills, to develop activists. And it's grown now to be union-wide it's um, across the entire union, and and women are just doing amazing work, boosting each other up, but also doing some wonderful community outreach. We see women women in our union doing back to school school supply drives and um, raising money for uh, homeless shelters, and just really doing what we as union members know that we want to do in our, in the communities that we live, which is give back. I also uh, know that the Women of Steel program, you know, as a woman, having a daughter and as a feminist, empowering women is important. But can you speak to how essential it is, especially within the union like USW, to empower women leaders as well as women activists? Oh, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, it, every person brings a different perspective to the table. And um, in the labor movement, we also need to make sure that that we have leaders who look like our members, and that includes women. Um, in our union, um, I think we estimate that about 20% of our membership are women. Um, we do have about 20% uh, women leadership as well in local unions. And you know, that's the only way someone is going to join a union and be part of this this amazing movement is if they see themselves in the leadership. And that's one of the really important things about bringing women to leadership and, and making sure that they have the skills and the confidence and the desire um, to be leaders in the union. You know, this started in the 1980s uh, as a grassroots effort, not even here, but in Canada, as an effort to combat sex discrimination. Is that correct? It, it was, yes. Yeah, women um, in, our, our women members in Canada um, 
suffered some horrible um, discrimination. And and one of our, uh, our our former vice president at large, who just retired last year, Carol Landry, uh, was from Canada. She's she's an amazing um, union activist who was a woman in a mine in Canada and. Um, she actually helped found the program and start it because of some of the things that she went through. And she's just a phenomenal example of um, of a mentor for lots of women. And then you know she eventually rose through the ranks to be part of our um, international executive board. And 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 and, um, and one of the things that's union wide, is that uh, Women of Steel, what I like is you guys work on a variety of issues um, in the workplace. Some of them are community-based. Some of them are national. Let's break it down and go through some of those. Healthcare worker safety, which right now with COVID-19 is more than essential and something the union has fought long and hard for. Can you speak to some of these protections for healthcare workers? Absolutely. And you're so right. In this moment in time, um, we just have to to acknowledge the heroics of healthcare workers right now. Um, this is an, a, a part of the economy that is heavily, um, heavy on women employment. Uh, lots of, lots of members in our union certainly are, are women and their nurses and their aides in, um, nursing homes and they help clean healthcare facilities. And one of the the major things that our union has been working on with the rest of the labor movement is dealing with violence in healthcare and other social service um, uh, workplaces. Because actually violence is a is a horrific problem. Um, we look at the the rates of Violence that have that cause injuries in the workplace and in healthcare workplaces, those have gone up by about seventy percent over the last decade. And so, we really need a, a prevent a, a standard to prevent that kind of violence. Um, so that's one of the reasons our union has been working with members of Congress and trying to work with the administration, um, not so successfully with the administration, uh, to make sure that that these workers are protected. And I want to talk about those workers. I know that the USW represents approximately 50,000 healthcare workers, and a lot of those healthcare workers are female, are women, correct? That's correct, yep. Um, when you talk about healthcare worker safety, um, that Workplace Violence Prevention for Healthcare and Social Service Workers Act, H.R. 1309, uh, that was an act, uh, a piece of legislation of the more than 400 uh, that the Democratic-controlled House passed last year. Is that one that also got stuck in the Senate graveyard, as they call it, with the uh, bills that a lot that a lot of the House bills that have been passed over to the Senate end up in? Indeed, it is stuck in the Senate graveyard. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk more about this and other issues that a lot of people out there who are in unions and outside of unions care about, things like paid leave and also um, other standards for emergencies because we're in a pandemic. This is the best time to talk about this, and this is also uh, National Women's History Month in the month of March, so we're combining the two. Uh, glad to have with us. As our guest, we'll be talking with her in a moment, Anna Fenley from the USW. Please follow them on Twitter, at Steelworkers, the president at USW Blogger, and the website, USW.org. We'll be back right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. 
We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Anna Fenley is our guest from the USW, the United Steelworkers, where she's director of regulatory and state policy. And like I said, she's been with the union over a decade, has worked during legislative advocacy and in the union's health, safety and environment department. She serves as the VP for North America for Industrial Global Union. They represent industrial workers all over the world. And she also represents the AFL-CIO as the chairperson of the International Trade Union Confederation's Global Youth Committee, which means you must know my buddy Liz Schuler over there at AFL-CIO, I would imagine, Anna. <laughs> and, uh, I Anna do, has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, love her. Anna has uh, led the effort to create a global economic platform for young workers. Uh, we're talking about women of steel. We're talking about women's activism around the global. March is Women's History Month. Uh, March 8th was International Women's Day. But right now with COVID-19, there are a lot of employers and employees that are concerned about health care worker safety. We were discussing HR 1309, the Workplace Violence Prevention for Health Care and Social Service Workers Act. Um, many of the issues, Anna, that the USW fights for, uh, not just uh, with this, uh, but across the board, um, you know, now take on a new meaning with the outbreak of COVID-19. I know that the USW and other unions in the past have pushed to get OSHA to issue an emergency standard to protect those frontline workers in the wake of the virus. Can you speak to us more about that? Because a lot of people are concerned about everyone out there in light of this COVID-19 virus. Absolutely. Look, I mean, Leslie, we've heard horror stories from our members who work in healthcare on the lack of controls um, to protect them from from this virus, and and th- we really need them to be protected because if if uh, healthcare workers are getting sick and being quarantined, um, we're diminishing the number of folks who can care for the sick. Um, so last week, uh, the steelworkers and and a number of other unions, along with the AFL CIO, sent a petition to the Secretary of Labor. Uh, in the Trump administration, uh, requesting that they issue an emergency temporary standard uh, on COVID-19. And and the reason we did this is because we want to ensure that healthcare employers provide the right types of protections. This would be an enforceable, across-the-board standard that would make sure that healthcare workers are protected and that uh, employers are fulfilling their responsibility, which is to provide a safe workplace. Wow. Um, you know, and, and it's just amazing how fast this came about. I mean, these types of things, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, just took for granted or don't realize how badly they need them. Paid leave is, an, paid leave is another example of that. The issue of paid leave um, is more urgent now, perhaps, than it's ever been. Uh, even before this current crisis, it, this is another example. I just want folks to realize that All of these issues that people outside of unions are screaming and crying about and begging for, begging their government for, well, the issue of paid leave was always an urgent matter. USW-supported legislation would expand lead, including the Family uh, Act, uh, years ago before this current crisis. But right now, there is a greater need for paid leave than ever before. Now, the lawmakers have proposed the Paid Sick Days for Public Health Emergencies and Personal uh, Family Care Act. This, Anna, is an issue that does not just affect women, but a lot of women out there are the caregivers in their families. So in order to be able to access uh, benefits like paid leave, um, that certainly would help with gender equality, wouldn't it? 
It absolutely would. Um, and I think that we're realizing that even more now in this particular time when you have so many children off schools uh, and women are having to um, work from home and care for their children at the same time or or go to work and have to figure out a way to, to make sure that their children are cared for. Um, I, I completely agree. We're, we the, the labor movement has been fighting for paid leave and paid sick days for a very long time. And, and now we're in a moment where I think people realize how important this really is. Without question. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about, because it is Women's History Month, and it was on March 8th, uh, International uh, Day of, of the Woman, uh, women's activism on an international level. Because I think people forget that the USW, the United Steelworkers, is not just a union that works domestically. Um, and when it comes to women's rights, the USW has been part of a global alliance of unions called Industrial. Can you tell us about Industrial and how the USW and other unions have been fighting for women's rights, not just here in the U.S. domestically, but also internationally on a global level? Absolutely. So Industrial is a global federation of unions who, who like the name says, uh, work in industrial workplaces. And um, these are workplaces where women are, are probably not as represented as they should be. And, and also, these are unions where women have not historically had uh, the leadership roles that, that we would like them to have. And um, many unions have not taken the steps to create like a Women of Steel program like ours has. Um, but we have been working with, uh, these unions for a long time to make sure that women have leadership opportunities, have training opportunities. And, um, there's a wonderful women's committee as part of industrial that, that works to make sure that the training programs that, that unions do around the world have women participants and that women are represented on leadership boards and that women are able to learn from each other and to find these pathways into leadership positions, uh, particularly uh, in industrial workplaces that are more male dominated. They are definitely more male-dominated. In November, they met in Geneva. Uh, there were goals. There were very ambitious goals. And those included increasing diversity in workplaces, finding ways to get more women into leadership positions, and combating uh, gender-based um, violence. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of those uh, because increasing diversity in the workplace is necessary. Uh, finding ways to get more women to leadership positions, absolutely in combating gender-based violence, which is amazing we're even saying that and still having that conversation uh, in uh, 2020. Uh, uh, absolutely amazing. I'm Leslie Marshall. Our guest is Anna Fenley. She's the United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy. And like I said, you want to check out the USW, go to their website, check out USW.org. Check out your rights to unionize. Check out how great it is to have a union. Also check out opportunities. There are going to be a lot of people looking for new jobs in the months ahead. On Twitter, follow the USW at Steelworkers. Follow the president, USW President Tom Conway, at USW Blogger. And in the meantime, you can check me out as well. Uh, if you want to give comments, I know people are, you know, things are different with the way that they're getting their information, their news, their media. 
and we want to keep educating you and we also want to keep you engaged. So it's important for you to contact us as well at Leslie Marshall on Twitter, lesliemarshallshow.com forward slash uh, facebook.com forward slash the Leslie Marshall show and on LinkedIn at Leslie Marshall back in a moment. Back with Anna Fenley, United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy. We are talking with her because of Women of Steel and women's activism around the globe. And we're specifically doing that this month in March because it's Women's History Month. March 8th was the International Women's Day. Anna, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, We were talking about activism internationally. I talked about how in November... There was a meeting in Geneva that set ambitious goals, and I know that you were part of the United Steelworkers uh, delegation. Um, can you talk to us about some of the ideas on how we would increase diversity in the workplace, on how we get more women into leadership positions, and how we combat gender-based violence? Sure. Uh, these are these are big issues, um, but I think we can make we can make real goals if we all work together. Um, one of the things that we discussed at this meeting was making sure that unions diversify their leadership. Um, I mentioned this a little earlier in the show, but it's so important that when women are um, looking at taking a job in a union workplace or looking to join a union, that they see people who look like them in the leadership. And so um making sure that women are part of every effort in the labor movement, all, all the trainings, all the campaigns. Um, that's one of the really important goals that we talked about as part of Industrial's Global Women's Conference back in November in Geneva. Um, I, the other major focus of that conference was about violence, gender-based violence at work. And, you know, last year was a really important year um, because the International Labor Labor Organization, which is part of the UN, the ILO, um, passed a conven- a new convention to prevent gender-based violence at work. It's it's Convention 190. Um, and this is just groundbreaking. We we know that women across the world are suffer from violence and and that's just not just physical violence, it's also harassment or emotional violence. Uh, at work, and and this convention calls on countries around the world to to prohibit and prevent that type of violence. Uh, I it, it's just a, amazing that we're having this conversation. But to me, as a woman, there is hope uh, for a better future when you have women like you in positions like this within a union like the USW. I, I think it's awesome. Um, the ILO uh, the ILO also set reducing gender based violence. Um, as one of its goals, uh, announcing that this year's World Day for Safety and Health at Work, celebrated coming up on April 28th, uh, duly, we know it is Workers' Memorial Day, that it's going to focus on calling for the prohibition and prevention of violence and harassment in the workplace. Honestly, how much are we in 2020 still looking at this as an issue, being that women have been in the workplace and increased in numbers uh, for decades now? 
You know, it's it's incredibly sad that we still have to talk about this and think about this. Um, but uh, as I said earlier, I mean, particularly in healthcare workplaces, um, these are workplaces that have lots of women. The rates have just gone up and up and up, and um, not voluntary guidance, voluntary actions by by employers aren't making a, a, a difference in in turning these numbers around. And, and it's a problem here in the U.S., but when I talk to other women in the union movement in other countries, almost every single woman has a story about how they or one of their members was harassed at work or um, experienced some sort of violence at work. Um, so it's, it's, I'm, gl- I'm so glad that the ILO is, is listening to the workers and making this a priority this year. Uh, yes. Uh, speaking of priorities, one of the things I didn't even think of is that the OSH, the Occupational Safety uh, and, and Health, um, that they could be a part of a comprehensive framework at both national and workplace levels to address the epidemic of violence and harassment. I don't think people always think of um, violence and harassment in the workplace is part of occupational safety and health. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people think like health, uh, you know, oh, are they breathing asbestos, COVID-19? When they think of safety, they think, is the equipment going to chop somebody's finger off? I, I, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, and I'm a staunch feminist, uh, think of this epidemic of violence and harassment as being able to be uh, addressed and contained, if you will, under that umbrella of occupational safety and health. I think you're right, but but it absolutely does fall under that umbrella. Um, if you think about your mental health and the toll it can take to to deal with violence day after day after day, that 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 impacts your your mental and physical health, and and that's a cause of a workplace health concern. So, and and I would and I would say that occupational safety and health um, structures have have frameworks to deal with hazards and and workplace violence is a hazard that causes harm. So so I think it's entirely appropriate and and really good for people to think about it in that way. Women in Mexico on International Women's Day, there were 80,000 protesters that took to the streets in Mexico City, one of the most populated cities, I think fourth largest uh, uh, populated city in the world. Uh, It was a, quote, day without women intended to draw attention to uh, femicide and government in action. Uh, this is a grassroots movement against the violence that so many women in Mexico have experienced. Um, should the United States and even the world look at having a day without women? Do you think that might be a good idea? Oh, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, it's um, it, women play such an important role in both the formal and the informal economy. And um and I think the women in Mexico uh, just a few weeks ago. I don't know if if you saw any of the other news on this, Leslie. It was it was phenomenal to see all of these protesters in the streets talking about the importance of women in society and the need for um, all women to be respected and and to stop the killing, basically, of women. Which which again, we shouldn't even have. They they shouldn't have to be protesting about that, but. But I'm so glad that they are, um, that that women are speaking out in Mexico and around the world. Right. Before we go to break, one more question. Um, It's estimated that in Mexico, uh, 10 women are killed in Mexico every day. 
we don't have those types of numbers here in the United States, do we? Or are we in the ballpark of that and it's just not being reported by the media? You know, I think women are killed around the world all the time just just because they're women. Um, and uh, I, I think the Mexican activists have done a great job of raising this issue. We probably have some work to do to, to, to raise the issue here in the same way that, that the women in Mexico have. Absolutely. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our guest and we'll be back with you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. A lot more to talk about on this issue with United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy, Anna Fenley. Keep in mind, once again, go to their website, usw.org. Also on Twitter, follow them at Steelworkers and follow President Tom Conway at USW Blogger. Back with her, back with you right after this. Thank you for holding. We are back. I'm Marshall. She's Anna Fenley. She is the United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy. She's been with the union for over a decade, has worked doing legislative advocacy and in the union's health, safety, and environment department. She serves as the Vice President for North America for Industrial Global Union. They represent industrial workers all over the world. She also represents the AFL-CIO as the chairperson of the International Trade Union Confederation's Global Youth Committee, where she led the effort to create a global economic platform for young workers. Anna, thank you for holding. Welcome back. You know, Anna, during COVID-19, some of the millennials, the younger people, are getting a bad rap. Uh, But as the uh, AFL-CIO chairperson of the International Trade Union Confederation's Global Youth Committee... What do you see in the youth, in our, uh, our youth workers, in that youth worker population? What are some takeaways that you have? You know, I think young people are, young workers in particular, are incredibly inspiring in this time, um, particularly in the way they're embracing technology to connect um, as we're being socially isolated in so many parts of the country and the world. Um, I think I think young workers are working to make sure that that people don't feel alone, um, and that and that union workers are are able to talk to each other, um, and able to talk about the great work that everyone's doing to to protect each other and to support each other. Um, so that's really what I'm seeing in this crisis from young workers. I also want to talk because it is uh, you know National Women's History Month. About women in unions, um, what, you know, a lot of people think, I, I, I think still to this day, they think of unions, and, and it's definitely changed a great deal, you know, as that guy, right, as that blue-collar working-class guy. But in unions, uh, women's share of union membership has increased markedly, if you look over the past three decades. 1984, it was 33.6%. Uh, in 2014, it was 45.5%. And now in 2020, it's even um, higher. So there are, uh, there are just many, many more women being represented by a union in the United States. I would imagine that is the same for women within the union of the USW. Am I correct? Yeah, that's true. We've, we've seen a dramatic rise in women as part of our union and unions in general in this country. Um, and particularly in sectors that have had to really step up in the last few weeks, like in healthcare 
and the public sector. We've seen some of the great heroics of um, lots of teachers, also a women-dominated profession, trying to make sure that kids are able to still learn while schools are closed and able to still get lunch and breakfast and, and other things that they need. Um, these, are, these are just phenomenal examples of, of the diversity of the labor movement and women in the labor movement stepping up. Uh, absolutely. Speaking of women, uh, although there are a lot of men who are, women are nurses as well. This is another union. And when you look at the rallies out there, um, there were women's marches across the nation this month in various unions. Uh, you know, USW, you know, you have what you're doing, AFL-CIO, uh, the nurses union. Is this an area where unions do work together? People hear that you're working as, you know, a member of the USW, but that you're also working on committees with the AFL-CIO. Are, you know, are unions, in a sense, in lockstep, if you will, um, over what needs to be done to improve the work environment, uh, a pathway to leadership, protection, uh, not just uh, within health and safety, but specifically under that umbrella, uh, protection, protection from uh, domestic violence issues uh, and sexism in the workplace. Our unions, would you say, in lockstep across the nation, whether it's uh, National Nurses United or like the USW works with AFL-CIO, are there other unions that are on board and are you guys all on the same page with regard to this? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the labor movement works uh, pretty much in lockstep on these issues because we know we're stronger together in fighting for things like pay transparency and raising wages and paid leave um, and, and all of these things that are that are so important, particularly for, for everyone, but particularly for women. Um, we know also that a union contract is is really the the best way for a woman to make an equal wage as, as a man doing the same job and, and to have really good benefits and to have um, good leave language and be able to take vacations and all that stuff. So, so yeah, the labor movement is absolutely in lockstep on, on making sure that women are included and organized and fighting for issues that particularly impact women. Oh, absolutely. You know, we touched upon, and I would like to talk a little bit uh, more um, about uh, the petition that the AFL, because you've been working with them as well, uh, the petition from the AFL to U.S. Secretary of Labor Eugene Scalia to issue, like I said, that we touched upon, that emergency temporary standard under the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, uh, in response um, to this outbreak and to the growing and very fast-growing coronavirus uh, outbreak. Now, according to the petition, at least 19 million healthcare, social service, transportation, and other workers would be at risk of exposure to COVID-19 if the virus intensifies. And the petition reads, quote, these are the workers who answer the call when an outbreak occurs, and they deserve to have confidence that the appropriate resources, equipment, training, and protocols are readily available in their workplaces to protect themselves as well as to avoid infecting other people. Before we talk about it, Anna, I have a very personal vested interest in this. So I am like just like gun ho when I see that you all are doing this. Um, you know, I see bailouts for the airlines and I'm like, well, where is the bailout for healthcare, the healthcare industry and the healthcare workers? My husband is uh, an orthopedic surgeon. And yesterday he had to call nine out of 10 of his patients and tell them he could not operate on them 
because they're elective procedures. And when I say elective, rotator cuff tear, uh, ACL tear, people that are in pain and people that have to wait because they don't have enough supplies. The hospitals are scared. So they're having anything that's non-emergency, non-priority right now, delayed for approximately 30 days or longer. They don't have enough masks. They don't have enough gowns. They don't have enough personnel. And my husband, who's an orthopedic surgeon, was asked if he was willing to be on the front line treating COVID-19 patients. Of course, he said yes, even though he's not an emergency medical uh, physician or an internal medicine doctor. Um, so, you know, and there were just so many people in healthcare, not just the doctors, the nurses, uh, the physician's assistants, uh, the, the, the lab techs, the people who are checking you in and out of the hospital, the uh, paramedics. Uh, the uh, everybody, you know, from from soup to nuts, that is really putting their life literally uh, on the line each and every day. Uh, so, can you uh, talk a little bit more um, about this emergency temporary standard on the under the Occupational Safety and Health Administration OSHA, uh, the petition that the AFL has put forth that I know USW is working with them on? Absolutely. I mean, this this petition that we put forward is is just one piece of the puzzle. Uh, I should I should say that because we have to make sure we have adequate supply medical supplies and and all these things but but this type of standard that we're asking OSHA to put out very quickly it, the title emergency is is uh, there for a reason is is so that so that all of these workers can know that they're not exposed um, so that there's uniform protections across the healthcare industry so that when when women who or men who are caring for covid-19 patients have to go home to their their families, they have some peace of mind that they're not taking this virus home to their kids or to their elderly parents who they might live with. Um, and, and for us, this is necessary because of the variation in what we heard from our membership that healthcare employers are telling them. Um, and, and we really need one evidence-based, science-based standard across the board uh, to make sure that, that these folks are protected. I agree 100%. I mean, you're looking at provisions such as exposure control plan, methods of compliance, medical surveillance and vaccinations. I would imagine testing is there, communication of hazards and training. A lot of people I know say everybody's flying by the seat of their pants. People are afraid. Uh, the vaccinations need to be given not just to the patients, but to the healthcare workers, but also the testing needs to be available. I know that the USW, as well as the AFL, is asking uh, workers to urge their representatives to call on OSHA to issue this standard. By the way, folks, you're listening, uh, jot this number down. To find your rep and to get connected, call 866-832-1560. That's 866-832-1560. Um, I, uh, I also uh, wanted to say on a lighter note, Although necessary, I don't think people are aware that the USW is making toilet paper, that you've got our back sides as well. <laughs> we definitely do. Yeah, we, we're making toilet paper. We're making all of your Amazon boxes as people are avoiding going to the store. Um, we're making the, the insides for, for diapers and all those things. So, yeah, we're, we're helping to keep to keep everyone comfortable and safe at home as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, just in a sentence or two, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? 
I think I just want to say that, you know, this is Women's History Month. There's There are wonderful things that women have been doing around the world. And I think we are in a moment that will go down in history for women who are stepping up on the front lines of this pandemic. Um, and so just thank you to them. And, and we're, we're fighting for you and we'll keep fighting for you. You're doing an awesome job. And I'm so glad you were able to take the time because I know you're busy out of your schedule to be with us today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Anna Fenley, United Steelworkers Director of Regulatory and State Policy. It's been more than a pleasure to have you on again. And we definitely will be talking to you in the future. I am sure of that. Uh, be sure to check out the USW's website. Once again, USW.org. This Mother's Day, make mom feel loved with a beautiful bouquet from 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, 1-800-Flowers.com has amazing deals on Mother's Day bouquets for all listeners, like 24 multicolored roses for $39.99. With limited delivery windows, you need to lock in your order early. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com audio. That's 1-800-Flowers.com audio.